can fail at doing what you don't love. Exactly. So you might as well try to do what you love. Exactly. Quit worrying about where you end up. Like just to be like right now. Center podcast that explores everything you need to know to be financially successful in college and beyond. I'm Becca, your host, and today we have two great artists here with us, Eric Mancini and Prince Martin, here to talk about pursuing your passions, breaking into the art and music worlds, and life with an unpredictable income. Their insight was so interesting that we couldn't just cut them off, so today's episode is only the first half of their interview. You'll be able to hear the second half on our episode next week. You will definitely get some interesting insights whether or not you are an artist yourself. So without further ado, I will turn it over to them. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your line of work? My name is Eric Mancini. I'm a local artist here in Denton. I paint, do murals, a little bit of photography here and there. I haven't really shown any of that, but mostly just painting and murals. Uh, My name is Prince Martin also known as uh, DJ Scheme. Obviously, I DJ here and there around campus. I'm heavily involved in music, especially like R&B and hip-hop, on the production side also. And, um, oh yeah, I'm also a student here, senior, studying finance, and yeah, that's just about it. How did you guys find your talent or your love for your work that you're doing? Like I said, I was was studying finance here at UNT, and I just... uh, had friends studying art at UNT, and I just, like, threw myself into it. I mean, I, I always knew that I liked art as a kid, like, when I was in elementary school and taking art classes. I always was, like, showed, uh, like, kind of a talent for it. But I didn't really, like, pursue it much growing up because I was doing sports and just different things and actually music as well. Uh, I grew up playing the drums, and so, yeah, I just... I don't know. I just like started painting to, to, I don't know, release like any stress problems and things like that. And just take my mind off of whatever was bothering me. And it just blossomed and uh, it just took off. I just, I decided it was what I wanted to do and I just kept doing it. Was it hard to switch from something that's generally thought of as like a pretty stable, normal career off into being an artist? Yeah. Cause it's very unstable. It's, it's, uh, it's very, uh, inconsistent. So, like, getting work, and it's a lot of just throwing it out there. Like, like I'm applying for open calls all around the nation to try to show my art around different areas of the nation. And so it's just a matter of getting accepted. And so, like, right now I'm not working a regular job, but typically I'll, I'll have, like, a regular job with it. But I'm trying to just make it. So it's still tough. How'd you find your talent? Um, I won't really say it's a talent. I would say it's kind of like something that just found me. Like being younger, I had an older brother that was like really into hip hop, and so he would always like, "Hey, check out this new music. Like, check this out. This is the newest, latest, you know, stuff that's hot right now." So, like growing up, I was always like up to date on new music and uh, hip hop. And um, throughout high school, I was always that guy people came to to like get the new like update on like what's hot what's the new music out and um kind of throughout that time I kind of figured that I wanted to do something with that and kind of like make money on the side while you know I was in college so I just started you know I decided to DJ and it kind of like expanded my uh knowledge on uh, 
different areas of music other than just, you know, the normal top 40s, stuff like that. When it came to school, my parents actually wanted me to be in the medical field, but I I didn't want to do that because I hate science. And um, so I found that I can incorporate business into art and entertainment and kind of that'll serve as the middle ground between what my parents wanted and what I wanted. So I kind of found my niche with that, I feel like. Are you hoping for that to be kind of like a full-time thing when you graduate, or do you still want to get a traditional finance job? Oh, most definitely. Like, anybody that want to, like, follow that passion, I feel like they should. Um, That's first priority because you want to be happy in whatever you're doing. Yeah, I say go for it. I mean, I always have that backup plan, of course. I mean, that's that's rule number one. But um, just follow your passion, and you'll be all right. Yeah, I, I, uh, I read in a book, it was like, you can fail at doing what you don't love. Exactly. So you might as well try to do what you love. Exactly. I mean, if you fail, you know, typically, yeah, just learn from it. You yeah. Know? I refuse so. to do something I wasn't happy with, even if it was like less money or more risky or something like that. Did you have a plan when you first started DJing or first started pursuing your art? No, not really. Not, not really. I just kind of like threw myself into it and just kind of learned as I went and tried to surround myself with other other artists so I could learn from them and, and take tips from friends. And, and just, like, I started, one of the first things I did was just a raw artist showcase. And uh, that kind of got my feet wet in, like, showing art. But it's, uh, the only problem with those types of shows is they, they pretty much recruit anybody and everybody. So, and it's all about the people putting on the show, making money. And they don't really, they're not concerned with if the artist makes any money. Yeah, I've just, I've decided to try to like just fund my own shows. And there's actually, we're doing a show March 9th at uh, J&J's basement. So have you heard of Richie Flo? Sounds familiar. He's a, he's a artist here in, uh, he's a musician here in uh, Denton. Mm-hmm. And he hit me up wanting to put on a show at J&J's basement. And so me and uh, another artist that goes by Other Matters and then Chris Jessup. And his Chris Jessup's father is actually, I think, a professor of art here at UNT. Hmm. So we're all going to like try to put together a show at J&J's basement March yeah. 9th. So. When you decided to just throw yourself in there, were there any moments where you're like, oh, no, this may not have been the best idea, or maybe I should have stayed in finance, or were you just all in? I mean, I still think about like how I... I probably will go back to UNT, come back to UNT and, and finish my degree. Cause I was so close to finishing. I, I had like 30 hours left. Yeah. It was, I don't regret it. Like honestly, like the struggle of like trying to make it as an artist is, is like, I don't know. It, like it makes it better in a way. If, if, if everything just like worked out right away and it, like, yeah. I never had to struggle it's more satisfying like, in the end. Yeah, it's more yeah. satisfying. There's more to talk about. There's more. I've, I've found just like there's different like things I like to make. Whereas if I would just like constantly been selling what I started with, like the, I might not have gone into like the different avenues of different types of art. So I don't know. Like I think to be a musician or an artist or any of that, you have to like love the struggle first and. You just have to like, 
you're gonna spend most of your time in the struggle too. Yeah, <laughs> just know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm straight <laughs> by right now. Like this, yeah. this month was great. Like I, I had a really good month, but like it's it's tapered off, and now I have to like start finding other projects to to generate some income, and so. You we'll definitely see. have your ups and downs when it comes to, you know, following your passion. All the time, man. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, I kind of jumped straight into it in the beginning. Um, I remember when I first bought my equipment, I didn't have no idea, like, like of what I was doing. And I remember, like, I was, I was horrible. Like, starting out, I knew I was horrible. But I practiced and I worked at it. And I didn't really set any goals for myself because I didn't really like to know the culture of what DJing was. And I didn't have anything to look up to. So I got close with like other DJs and things like that. And they kind of embraced me. And I loved like kind of like the brotherhood that they shared amongst each other because it's kind of like a community, you know. And so I, I kind of like I liked it. So it made me like kind of look up to guys that were like traveling here and there, even like the big you know, DJs that you know, Steve Aoki, Diplo, Major Lazer, stuff like that. Like, those guys are the ones, like, I look up to, or even, like, just music moguls such as, like, Diddy, Dr. Dre, like, people like that. But um, when it comes to, like, setting goals, I definitely want to do something, like, outside of, like, music also, as long as it's, it's along the lines of, like, um, entertainment in general. So... It's kind of like iffy right now because, I mean, I'm in school, so I have to kind of try to figure out how I'm going to balance both. Because right now, after this interview, I'm going to Texas State, like, right on the road. So, And at the same time, I have, like, homework due at night. So it's kind of like hard to balance. You said you didn't really know what you were doing when you started. What mm. were those first few times when you were DJing like? Well, I can say the first time. Okay, I was in my room practicing for a year before I, like, actually, like, went out in public because I was too scared. I was a shy person. That's, that's the thing about being a DJ. Like, you have to kind of become a, a, a social, like, butterfly, whatever you want to call it, because I was, like, that shy person at first that really didn't go out. Um, I, I wasn't really involved. I transferred I transferred here to UNT and uh, at my old school, which was SFA. I wasn't really, like, involved, and I was just kind of, like, like, in my room all the time. But during that process of, like, getting to know like the art I became like accustomed to like the lifestyle of being a DJ which is like interacting with people networking because that's what brings you business so yeah I mean I was kind of the same way yeah I, I'm very like isolated myself yeah but fortunately for us it's like nowadays we have social media so I can just post my art on Instagram yeah and like doing, doing murals and things like that as an artist like that gets you a lot of attention. That's how I gained a lot of followers was just yeah. the murals I painted. Yeah. But I can relate. Yeah. Like if, if you're not like out there, yeah, like real outgoing and, and, and constantly trying to meet people, like you can kind of slip through the cracks and, yeah. and it's like the art world is a big, like word of mouth. And so same in music, but it's also like, what's, what, what's actually helps is like, I feel comfortable at sh like art shows. Mm -hmm. If it's just like, party and the things like that like i'm not that comfortable like because like i quit drinking I, I don't like have anything to like loosen me up i don't mm -hmm. i don't do any drugs mm -hmm. and so i just uh i kind of like isolated myself and 
but when I'm doing like when I have art that I'm showing, it gives me something to talk about. So it's like it's actually a tool to like help me socialize. Kind of like break the ice with people. Like, hey, I do art. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like honestly, meditation has helped me like get out of my head. Mm -hmm. And like I realize everybody's struggling with all the same things. So just like don't worry about it. There's always gonna be people that talk shit. Hope I can. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, there's always gonna be that. Like, oh yeah, just do for me. Do do it. You know. I don't know. Yeah. You know. You'll always have people. That are, that are going to oppose you and whatever you're trying to do, or like there's like if you, like one thing as an artist, like I can catch my like I used to do a lot was compare my work to other artists, yes. and that that's will the worst that will eat you alive that's the worst as an artist ever. because like everyone has a different style, Every, like exactly. the people like different things. So like what one person likes about their art, they the other person may like about yours, and I realized too that. While I'm doing that to other artists, those same artists could potentially be looking at me the same way, like comparing their work to me. So I had to realize, like, hey, like, quit, quit worrying about that stuff. Like, it's yeah, it will, it will eat you up. Yeah, and it's just like, and and the problem too, though, is like to try to avoid comparing myself to other artists. Like, I find myself like not staying up with all of like what's currently going on. So, like, which helps when I have, like, an idea and I want it to feel original. Like, if I'm not constantly looking at other artists' work, I can feel like, like what I'm doing is original. But, yeah. So those things, like meditating or not trying not to compare yourself to others or not seeing everything that's out there in the world, have you noticed that affect you in any other areas of your life besides just when you're trying to create your art? Right now, like, just being able to, like, do this podcast with some strangers I just met, you know, like it's, it's, uh, I've definitely like, it's definitely helped with my anxiety and, and, and things like that. It's just helped me, uh, not worry so much about stuff. Like it's, it's no big deal. I don't know. Um, so where does your inspiration come from? Um, I know like earlier your brother, you have like people that influenced you when you were younger, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So like, is it the money? Is it the enjoyment? Is it the history behind it? Oh, what is the inspiration like? I would say in order, it will be my like the people that are around me, just the love for music, then they're the money. I mean, the money is a big factor, but I feel in the beginning, if you do everything for money, a lot of opportunity, opportunities will like pass upon you because, you know, it's, it's, it's just not really like a good mindset to have when starting out because the money is not there. When you're starting out, that's why it's called an art. It's just like being a rapper or a singer. Like, you're not going to get your first big contract as soon as you open your mouth. Like, you got to kind of work for it and be patient. When it comes to, like, my influences, like, like my older brother, yeah, he definitely, like, influenced me, like, to dive into music and things like that. Oh, it's it's definitely, it comes from my, like, surrounding, like, people. Definitely. That's, that's number one. That's number one. Then the money. Second, because the money is, is, is getting better. Yeah, uh, for me, I just, uh, I'm also like heavily inspired by people around me. I feed off of like what my friends are doing. So, like, I have one of my friends, Dan Black, just did a four story mural on Andy's bar in downtown Denton. So, it's like now I feel like he set the bar high. So, like, 
now I, I want to do something just as big or just as good. So like it, it motivates me to try to push myself and get better. And I hope like I'm doing the same for him. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm also like, like you said, like I, I like the, the history of like a lot of artists that like Jackson Pollock struggled for half of his life. And he was like extremely like envious of Picasso because he was like, Picasso was really famous for like his cubism movement. And so like, it's just the, I don't know, like the story of their lives, like, like Basquiat, Jean-Michel Basquiat, he like, he had a good upbringing per se. Like his dad, like he wasn't poor. He wasn't like struggling, but he, he, he had struggles with like stability of the household. I think his mom was like mentally ill and his dad, I don't know if he really like saw his talent for his art and he kind of, he just, he ran away from home at 15, just like did whatever he wanted. And it's just like the things just fell into place. And I constantly like catch myself, like trying to think, like quit worrying about where you end up, like just to be like right now. And then I also think like when I'm like making something, I'm like, this could be like a defining moment, but I don't realize it until like later on in my career, like if things get better and, and who knows what will happen. But also like, I want to touch on like too, like the, the money thing is like a bonus, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, cause in the art world, like if your prices are too low, people don't think you're worth it. If your prices are too high and you, they don't know who you are, you're going to price yourself out of the market. So, I was showing art at a gallery in Dallas, which is, isn't like a high end gallery. And, uh, most galleries want half of whatever you, you make like to show, they want half of whatever you sell it for. So it's just part of the game. And and first thing you have to like do is like, you have to, if you're not okay with that, like galleries aren't going to want to work with you. So like, I immediately like was like, you know what? I understand that because if I have someone that's helping me sell my art, I want them to make just as much money as I am, especially if they're, they're bringing in the clients. Yeah. So, but I, I, would, I went into the gallery and had my prices cause I was trying to, uh, offset like the 50% commission that they wanted. So yeah. I, I priced my work a little higher. Yeah. And he said something to me that at the time, like I took insulting, but now I'm like, I really like really agree with what he said. He was like, do you want to collect your own work in a sense? Like, do you want to sell it or not? So I realized like art is only worth what someone's willing to pay. So like I quit, like I don't even really like to price my work anymore. I just, I throw it up there. And if, if I'm really struggling, I'll, I'll end up selling a painting for a lot less than what I really want to get for it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that doesn't get out and people don't see that I'm struggling. Yeah. I know they can get a deal, but if someone walks up and, and let's say I'm like this past month, I had a really good month and I was having a show. Typically I'm just like, name your price on my paintings. And if, if it's price I like, I might sell it. If not, I'm going to be like, you know, I want more money than that. So I realized like art is only worth what someone's willing to pay. And you know, if, if you sit there and worry about making money, like it'll, it'll definitely like you'll drive yourself crazy. But at the same time, I think it is, Society expects artists not to care about making money, which is stupid. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. 
it's like and like you're looked at as like being greedy or whatever if as an artist you want to make money it's not the same as like doing it to make money but what people need to realize is like you still have to it's make a, a living yeah you have to make a living there's a lot of overhead to art people don't realize like a stick of like oil paint that i'll use to paint can cost like 28 dollars just for one stick one color so yeah and the canvas and, and all that so there's a lot of upfront costs to being an artist and a lot of risk and so obviously it's an original painting i think it's just a lot of people that that don't agree with an artist pricing their work a certain way typically aren't that educated in like how much it takes to produce a piece of work and not even just the time it takes to produce that work but the time you invested to get to where you are to be able to produce the work so like i didn't just start out painting how I'm painting now. Like I had to like go through different steps. So like, like let's say an artist went to here at UNT, studied art. Like, I mean, that costs, I mean, I don't even know, like for four years, we'll probably like 20 grand or something. I don't know. Probably more than that. Yeah. Probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. So you got to think like they've invested all that money. And so you, when you're buying a piece of art, you're buying that as well. So, and it's original and, and, but yeah, like it's it's a it's a game. I realize with the art world, it's you gotta like make friends with the right people that can get your art in front of the people that are gonna spend thousands of dollars on it. Or you know, there's just different ways you can go about it. You can merchandise the shit out of your work and sell, put it on everything and sell it that way. And unless you get like really big, I think you're kind of like setting yourself up for always just being that. So it's like what realm of the art world do you want to like operate in? And like, I, I was watching a documentary and one, one girl was talking about like art fairs and how like everybody's put like trying to be in these art fairs, like art Basel. And it's, uh, she's like, if you want your work to become like just overproduced like that, and then that's essentially like, if you start doing that, that's what your work becomes. Don't it like drop down the value? When, when it's mass produced like that? Yeah, like, well, it depends. Like, there's some to where, like, I have some theories to where, like, if, if I'm selling a print of a painting and I sell a thousand prints of the original, I would think that that would make the original more valuable. And the fact that a lot of people own the reproduction and then. Yeah, and only one person's going to own the actual yeah. painting. So it can go both ways. Yeah. But then there's also, it just depends on the collector. Yeah. It's also collectors that are like, I want the original and I don't want any reproductions of it. I want, you know, just be talking a lot of money. Yeah. There. Because the, what, what, what I do with my prints is I like, if I'm going to do a numbered edition, let's say I'm going to do a hundred prints of a painting and that original, let's say I wanted to make $5,000 off that original painting. I would price my prints. If I'm doing a hundred of them, shit, what is it's like 50 bucks a print, right? So you get $5,000. So I'd want to charge $50 a print so that I could make the value of the prints of what I'd want for the original. And then hopefully I could sell the original too. But that's kind of how I do my prints. So like if I do an open edition print, it's usually like I'll charge like they're really cheap. They're like 20 bucks, maybe, maybe 30, sometimes 10, just depends. And I'll just sell a shit ton of them because they won't be numbered. But I typically try to make my art more collectible. 
So I don't want to put like a lot out there. I want it to be more collectible. But you're kind of like, you're kind of playing a game there to where like if people don't want to buy it at the price you set, like you're kind of, you won't make any money until you've like put yourself in that other league. And that's just kind of, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. Like I'm trying to find, ideally what I'd like to have is a legit art dealer that will sell my work for me. And then I'll give them a percentage. And like, I'm, I'm willing to be pretty generous on like my commission percentage, not 50% like the galleries, but if I, I'm willing, if, if a gallery wants to like give me a solo show, if they're going to market it, market it and, and get their collectors there, I'm willing to give them half of whatever I sell for. But I also don't want to have to like pay a rental fee or any of that stuff. So I'm just trying to like, figure out the business side of art, which is a lot of who you know and just getting it in front of the right people. People don't really understand how much goes into like the process of art or like music. Music's even harder, man, because because you, I was listening to, I think it was, uh, I watched like Access TV a lot. It may be something you want to watch. Like they do interviews with not necessarily like DJs, mm. but just older artists too, mm. like classic rock and all that stuff. Mm. And I think it was uh, Steve Miller. Mm. He was talking about how you have like five seconds in a song to like catch their attention, whether or not they're gonna like it. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, and yeah. like you. But the thing is, you have to listen to a song a lot longer than that mm. to really know if you like it. I give myself ten seconds. It's yeah, it's like it's not. There's some yeah. songs where, like, I'll listen to it the first time, and I'll be like, I don't really like it. But then I'll keep listening to it, and I'll end up liking it. So, like, it's even harder for you because, like, as with art, it's like, I see this poster. I like this poster. You know? It's funny. It's, it's like, I can get everything from it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas music, it's kind of like, if you hear, if I hear one of your songs, I could be potentially hearing one of your worst songs, and mm-hmm. I'll think that all of your songs are Yeah, hard. that's true. And it just turns you off on everything. Yeah. So, it's yeah. really hard for a musician. Yeah. So I, I understand. That. Yeah, people don't understand how much time and money goes into like live sound. That stuff is like really expensive. So when you kind of like want to know like how much you're worth as an artist or a DJ, you have to kind of go based off based off off of how much time and like money you put into yourself and how much you invested into yourself. So if you spend all this money on equipment, obviously you have to get a return on it. So. I kind of go based off that. Like every time I like buy something new, or uh, I put in like extra time to like do some extra for a certain gig, that's that's how I kind of go based off how much I charge. I know that Eric like spoke on some of the challenges like he faces at a, as an artist. What are mm-hmm. some challenges that you face as a DJ? Uh, really, uh, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people that uh, that want to. DJ, obviously, um, we have like twenty year at UNT. <laughs> um, so that's that, just a, that you know of. It's yeah, that's that's all that. I know. It's, it's probably someone in their room right now practicing. You know. Yeah. Uh, another challenge is probably um, just trying to like network and like just get around and get get your name out there. Really making a name for yourself is hard because people just not, not going to just trust you just right off that. You have to show something. You have to prove something to them. And that's kind of hard sometimes if you're not, like, right there. Like, only time 
one gig a lead to another is because someone see me somewhere else and they like the way that I play or the way that I interact with the crowd and things like that. And it kind of like, it's like a domino effect of like how things go. But if they like really haven't like heard of me or seen me before, or if they just see me on social media, it's kind of hard for them to just like, like, all right, we're going to, we might just go with the, the safe route of going with someone else. So the competition is there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same with like galleries. You can't just like walk into a gallery with your portfolio mm-hmm. because you would hope that it would be that easy. Yeah. Just be like, do you like my work? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But like, if a gallery has people doing that all the time, like they're so busy looking through portfolios, yeah. but then they also have their own work. So yeah. really you can become more of a nuisance yeah. than like, and everyone's good. you don't want to piss them off. So there's like, what do you do? And like, it's all just yeah. kind of word of mouth. Like yeah. You just got to hope that they see your work somehow and they want to work with yeah. you. I feel like everyone is like at the same skill level. Like I'm sure like, when yeah, it comes to like there's, paintings and stuff there's like a, that. Like my, my buddy Dan, he's like a f- phenomenal yeah. artist. He can draw you, paint you, whatever you exactly. want. But he still feels like he doesn't like know his style and like what he wants to do. So he doesn't feel like he has like his direction. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, look, Dan, like you just got to just, just do it. Like just keep put, putting your stuff out there. But he's like, he's, he's almost too humble. Yeah. Like, you know, so... But I like, like that's, that that's why I love him though, because he's just such a nice guy. He's he's you don't get any weird vibes from yeah. him. Yeah, I was I was like that in the beginning too. I was just like I wasn't as confident. That's what took me a year to actually like go out in public and, and perform because I wasn't like confident. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was as good as my counterparts. And you're probably to... always gonna feel like that. Yeah. I still feel like that, and that yeah. just means that you're like actually probably a good artist because you're. You constantly want to get better. Yeah, you constantly want to learn. And the the, the music and art world is constantly evolving. Yeah, with, always. With especially with social media, like I feel like it's just like finding the next materials to work with next. It's almost yeah. a competition. Like this artist uses fire to make their work, so now I have to use ice <laughs> or some shit. You know, like it's like yeah. what am I gonna do? Yeah. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just about. Getting it in front of the right people yeah. and those so, people wanting to invest in it. How did you decide, like, this is the moment I'm getting out of my room and out there? Did you give yourself a deadline or was there a specific skill that you wanted to master before you put yourself out there? Oh, really? It's when I transferred to UNT. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew that when I came to a new city, when I came to this new city, came to a new school, I wanted to make a difference. Like, I didn't want to move. Like, think about it. If I was just doing the same thing, as I was back at SFA, then there was no point in leaving. So I felt, I, I promised myself that I was going to make a change uh, when it came to school and when it came to like my passion. So what I did was I just really got engaged in what was going on on campus. Um, kind of, it kind of got my name out there even before I started even DJing. Like people was like, oh, hey, I know him. Ooh, he DJs, but I never heard of DJ, but I just know him from around. So um, from that, that's what really jumpstarted everything. Uh, it wasn't really anything within music. It was more of just like getting myself out there, socializing. And then when people actually start to hear me play, they were like, oh, you're actually good. You should actually do more stuff on campus. And that's how I really started. It wasn't really anything that was like like major that caused me to like say, okay, this is what I want to do. 
I mean, I've always had that drive, but it wasn't me. It wasn't like um, like the same cliche story, like I had an epiphany or something like that. It was just something that moved from that just the change in yeah. the atmosphere, just, just like change in the environment, just things made just it started working. Yeah, out. that's yeah. how it happened. And you guys were talking about before how if music is so important to grab people right from the beginning. Oh yeah. Are there things that you know that you need to do right at the beginning of every gig to make sure people are engaged or to bring people back if you can tell that they're not as into it as you'd like them to be? Uh, yeah, I kind of play like different types of music too. They kind of vibe with. Um, I may start out with R and B. I feel like they're vibing with the R and B more than the hip hop. Then I may play mostly R and B that night. So, um, I kind of like like pick at them a little bit, see what they react more to, and I kind of go based off that. And first impression is the uh, most important impression. So, uh, if I get them engaged in the beginning. It's it's kind of a story, so if I get them engaged in the in the beginning of the story, I think I can pretty much take them wherever I want them to go throughout the whole night. So if you get them in the beginning and get their attention, you should be fine like throughout the rest of the night. Once again, that was the first half of our interview with Eric Mancini and Prince Martin. The second half will be on our next episode. Links to their social media can be found in the show notes. The Student Money Management Center is your on-campus resource for all things personal finance. We have three workshops and one-on-one coaching sessions, as well as an emergency loan program. More information about us can be found at moneymanagement.unt.edu or by stopping by our office at Chestnut Hall 313. Any feedback or ideas for the show can be sent to money.management.unt.edu. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word to your friends, and I hope you all have a great week.